keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about grave robbers from outer space? Welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we discuss horror movies of the past and present. Warning, there will be spoilers ahead as we talk about these movies, so if you really want to go watch something and go into it informed, please do. Otherwise, be spoiled. Thank you. Um, So, since last time, what have you all watched? Will? Nothing. (laughs) That... Really makes this a lot quicker and easier. <laughs> it does. Uh, <clears throat> Did you watch Plan Nine? <laughs> I've seen it before. Okay, so you just meditated. I've seen it several times. Uh, Eugenia had a cold, so she had both the Xbox for Hulu and the laptop, oh. which I can watch DVDs on. So it was a lot of uh, some terrible reality show oh, no. called Vanderpump Rules. Oh, no. Which is a real horror show. Yeah. I've said the same thing about anything with a Kardashian in it. And, uh, I don't know, I I probably sat through a Sleepy Hollow or two. (laughs) (laughs) We had just discussed this, hadn't we? Uh Uh-huh. That's a great show. You don't have to know what's going on, because you won't ever know what's going on, really. (laughs) And, And if you had a smartphone, you just wouldn't have to pay any attention to the show at all. Yeah. You could just sit there with your thumb scrolling through something way more entertaining. I shouldn't bag on it. It's not all that bad. It's not all that good. <laughs> Jolien, what about you? Uh, well, I watched two <clears throat> extraordinary movies. One was Plan 9 from Outer Space. and uh, one... I'm not familiar with that one. <clears throat> um, and then the other one was this amazing film called I Am Cuba. Uh, this uh, is this Russian film uh, it was shot in Cuba in 1962 during the missile crisis. Wow. Um, the director is Mikhail Kalatasov. He did, um, I love all his films, like The Cranes Are Flying and Letter Never Sent. And uh, it, it's the, just, the camera work is just incredible. Um, and it, he, he like uses uh, infrared films. Uh, all the whites are really glowing. And um, it's like a, you know, a couple of decades before Steadicams really kicked in, and and uh, there's this, the camera's always moving. Like uh, the, one of the early shots, um, the camera there's this like beauty pageant on top of a tower block in uh, Havana, and then the camera goes <laughs> over the railing, down the wall, and then it follows some people around a party, wow. and uh, like uh, this woman goes out to a balcony, and then someone brings her a drink, and then it picks up on her. She goes back into the party, picks up on another woman. Uh, who 
who goes off to the swimming pool and dives into the swimming pool and you think the shot's going to stop there but no the camera gets into the swimming pool and goes underwater so what do they put like a gopro on a monkey what the hell it's amazing wow i don't know what kind of camera it was but apparently they used uh the uh what they put over um, the lenses of uh, periscopes and submarines so that the camera can go underwater. That is so cool. It's just amazing. Yeah. But, so yeah. it's totally worth a watch? Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. That's good to know. Yeah. Because I want to watch that now, based on that description. <laughs> <clears throat> Anything else you've watched? Uh, no, is it. Well, I regret to inform you I did watch the rest of Night of the Naked Dead. Mm-hmm passively while doing something else like like folding laundry and thumbing through my smartphone um in the 20 minutes that we watched do you remember the the uh female lead uh perpetrating like she was irish at all did you catch that no because she was in and out of an irish accent that was about as irish as lucky charms it was bad and apparently her handyman that was sacked out on the couch was kind of Irish-ish. It was bad. And well, there was some overacting from the supposedly naked woman who never got naked, where she eats a leech and her eyes dart side to side to see if anyone's <laughs> looking. And then she stuffs the leech in her mouth and then licks her fingertips and... So there's it's no naked people and there's no dead people, but it is night. I think there are two brief scenes of nudity. Okay. Um, there are no zombies as implied by the cover art. It is nighttime. And there's some really bad fog in one scene that is clearly a fog machine or some dry ice. It's the worst. And I, and I went ahead, since I had my phone out anyway, and looked at um, some reviews of it that just basically said this is a piece of garbage. There's So people have seen this? People have actually watched it. <laughs> I want to see it now. Yeah. And that was that was really whatever was left of the movie, about an hour, and which means I got an hour worth of other stuff done. Yeah. So it didn't feel like... Uh, it wasn't very long, like 78 minutes or something. It was something like that. Sure. I did watch a documentary, which I kind of want to rewatch. It was called Why Horror? And uh, I kind of felt like it was mainly from the guy's own perspective about himself and not as much digging into other horror fans, but I... I may have read that wrong. I kind of want to give it another watch. Hmm. Uh, it, you know, at least it was something about the genre, and why not? Also watched that new one, um, The Man from Uncle, that was directed okay. by Guy Ritchie. Mm-hmm. There were oh, there were a few yeah. places where it kind of lost me. I couldn't really tell what was going on on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like I. It's dark, and there's a guy doing something. And here comes a speeding something or other. It was weird for a while, but um, pretty action packed. Uh, something funny came up. We were recording the, Ch- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 mm-hmm. at the same time, apparently, or a day or two prior or a day after. Our friends at Werewolf Ambulance were recording their episode of the same exact movie. And I got to give a shout out to them because they are my favorite part of Monday is listening to their podcast. I really enjoy them. And anyone who likes us will probably like them, too. So, Katie and Alan, good work. Keep it up. And uh, we definitely found different things in the movie, I discovered. So that, oh, that was, awesome. I'll they, have to listen to it. They didn't mention the impossible amount of guts, the wall guts. <laughs> they didn't mention the wall guts. I can't believe that. <laughs> Heard of Walmart and wall drug. 
<laughs> Where the hell is Walguts? Walguts. <laughs> so shout out to them. And uh, of course, thank you, as always, to the Moonrays for providing us with intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find their music at themoon-rays.com, or you can find them on Amazon and purchase their music there. Uh, let's let's talk about this movie, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Let's just say real quickly here that there was a critic who likes the movie who described Ed Wood as achieving high art through incompetence when he made this movie. Does that seem pretty accurate? Yeah, you could take it that way. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he, he was competent enough to you know he got the film in the camera he got he got the f-stop and the shutter speed or whatever yeah <laughs> he pointed it toward the actors he gave them lines to memorize <clears throat> well it is uh, an auteur movie if there ever was one you know he does everything you know oh yeah wrote it directed it and oh yeah did the publicity and... yeah he was he was a, a one-man show wasn't he yes what was your first experience with this movie, Will? Do you remember the first time you saw it? I remember hearing about this movie, and I saw it probably 1992, 93, um, before Ed Wood came out. Right. Um, and I read the book, uh, what is it, Nightmare of Ecstasy. Okay. It's a kind of... Uh, Interviews with people who knew Ed Wood. So, not my favorite Ed Wood movie, though. I, uh, what is your favorite? I prefer The Violent Years, oh, yes. which he did not direct, but he did write. Yeah, I, I, I don't love Glenn think or Glenda. Glenda. Oh, Glenn or Glenda's <laughs> a good one, too. I'm a Plan 9 guy all the way, but uh, those other ones don't have Vampire in them. I don't believe so. No. But The Violent Years does have a teen girl gang oh man that tie up a they 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 accost a couple and they tie the girl up and take the guy off into the woods to have their way with him are there any switchblades uh no they carry pistols and then they get involved in a communist plot oh no and destroy a school classroom oh wow and uh there's a shootout with the police Mm -hmm. over a uh, a busted up school classroom that sounds pretty amazing uh it's not (laughs) it's terrible they're all terrible did he do the sinister urge i think that's another one yes he i think he did he do i think he wrote it he wrote that i don't know if he directed that one that was um handled really well by mystery science theater 3000 the sinister urge yeah they gave that the treatment Mm -hmm. um they do do the violent years as well um, the only one I haven't seen is Orgy of the Dead, which that I know of. We've got to get you on that right away. Mm. What's the name of the Drew Friedman book? Uh, any resemblance, uh, living or dead? That, that really, uh, made Todd Johnson an icon. It really did. Yeah, he's on the, um, there's this, there's this good documentary called, uh, Flying Saucers Over Hollywood, The Plan 9 Companion. Right. Oh, well, and, uh, Drew Friedman's on that, talking about drawing tour and. It shows him working. Dana Gould posted a photo of him holding Plan <clears throat> 9. Uh, oh, the flying, flying saucer, saucer models. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I guess it was a kit? Yes. It, it was. I actually have one. I did mean to get that out to show you guys. And it's, I believe it's, I've seen that kit It's before. pretty cool. And 
as Jolian pointed out, that that made Tor Johnson an icon because a lot of people were not aware of him. Maybe they were vaguely aware of Plan Nine, and this really brought the movie and Tor and you know reminded people of Lugosi's role in that. Um, but Drew Friedman did a, such a great job making this stuff look really noir with his his uh, stippling, <laughs> his use of light and shadow. <laughs> And that is actually something that reminded me of this movie that I, at the time, wasn't sure I had seen, was that Drew Friedman had, um, I believe there were trading cards out Mm. that he had from that book. And I said, you know, next chance, let me watch this thing. And I got a VHS copy of it, I think, while I was in college. And it was really cool to see that again or to see it for the first time. And I've been a fan ever since. So that's a bunch of years now. Um, the fact that they were able to make it look so good on DVD is very impressive. So maybe those prints didn't get worn out. <laughs> Jolene, what, what's uh, what's your history with this movie? I think, unfortunately, like a lot of people, the first time I heard of it was through the uh, Golden Turkey Awards. Yes. Because the, uh, the Medveds had done um, a book called uh, 50 Worst Films of All Time, and they asked readers to vote for the worst movie ever. That, that may be where I heard about Plan it. Plan 9 won. And then uh, there was a TV series on, um, I think it was Channel 4 in England, where they showed a bunch of the films that had been uh, selected by this book. And uh, so it was your only chance to see films like this. Yeah. So, uh, so it was Plan 9 and Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster and uh, uh, the Creeping un- creeping Terror and things like that. So, you know... I, Finally Pretty got to see these Pretty things. Fantastic. Was Robot Monster not on that? Yes, it was. It was yeah. okay because that is so bad. That is that's what I first I saw. I had it on VHS. It was Robot Monster and Plan Nine from Outer Space. But uh, but later, um, I used to go to the uh, Scala Cinema in Kings Cross in London quite a bit when I was writing for Sam Hain, and they had a festival of Edward, and um, so it was, they just showed, you know. A lot of his films back to back all day, and, and uh, so they started off with Plan Nine, and all the audience knew all the lines from that, so uh, they had a good laugh with it. And uh, and then it was followed by Glen or Glenda and, and you know, a bunch of the others, and uh, Glen or Glenda just blew me away. as just bizarre. I was I was trying to I just gave up writing after a while I was trying to write down all the quotes but I realized that every single line is just a fantastic. Everything's quotable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, this movie I did have to pause and rewind a few times to make sure that I got the quotes correct. Mm-hmm. In my notes I have probably three or four choice quotes that I thought were not what you would hear people actually say. Balling it up in Albuquerque. <laughs> Balling it up in Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> we have listeners in Albuquerque. Yes. Um, by the way... Followed uh, up listeners in Albuquerque. I forgot when we were giving a shout out to Werewolf Ambulance to uh, also say, what up, Netherlands? We're Apparently we're big in the Netherlands and Brazil. And Brazil. Hello, Brazil. Brazil, keep listening. Tell your friends. Looks like we're big in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, they dig us in Arizona. Um, let's see. I think some of these listens in Illinois might be the Moonrays. If so, what up, Moonrays? Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, look at this. We've got people in India, uh, Florida, all corners of the world. And these can't all be mistaken downloads, right? <laughs> they could be. <laughs> I mean, it's a big world out there. 
Tokyo, d- Japan. Maybe chewing the scenery translates as something really. <clears throat> uh, maybe it means something <laughs> other than what we intended to mean. Like the wax tadpole or something. Yeah, right. Um, Jolien, do you want to ex- explain? This is a, a good place to get sidetracked. Do you want to explain to any listeners who just jumped in on this episode what does chewing the scenery mean, approximately? Well, I, I don't think anyone knows the actual origin, but yeah, it is like uh, I don't think it was even derogatory to start with. It Not was necessarily. Like, uh, actors who really went for it, and uh, yeah, so you know, there's a, there's a threat to the general scenery from there. <laughs> they really lean their performances. Yes, they lean into the performance in such yeah. a way that you could imagine them just grabbing. It, it goes back quite far. I, I don't think it was meant as a rude comment to start oh. with, but it's come to mean someone who really overacts and i always kind of took it to mean somebody who not exactly overacts but more um leans into the performance and uh could you say overdoing it i don't know but they're a ham <laughs> they're a total ham hock total ham just just imagine uh anything that irritates you about uh I, I, I tend to think of everything that irritates you about an Al Pacino performance. Yes. So, in other words, yes, some... everything after Godfather 2. <laughs> if, some... that, if that's unkind, I'm sorry. Al Pacino definitely chewing the scenery. Hooah! Ha-cha-cha! <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Just grabbing that scenery and gnawing it. Um, Jolien, since we do have apparently... A bunch of listens in Japan. Did you want to give them a, a greeting that? Konbanwa. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, we don't have any questions in England this time. Um, oh. I could ask a couple. <laughs> it's all right. Well, I well, just wanted to say that if people are interested in England, there's this great book called Watching the English by uh, Kate Fox, and she is a she was an actual anthropologist. So her colleagues usually go out to the South Seas and and like deepest Africa and but she wanted to look at the English and uh, it's a fantastic book it's about like, uh, time it's really funny you you, uh, you read it and you think oh yeah I do that <laughs> and and apparently like um, people who are going to England have been picking it up as a kind of guide to uh, the peculiar behavior of this strange hobbit like people excellent That's, that sounds really cool yeah watching yeah. the English watching the English I like it. So, a greeting to the Japanese, in Japanese. In Japanese, just, uh, he did. It was barely audible. Jorion to moshimasu. Hi. So, when uh, Plan Nine opens, and and we, so we've all seen this movie uh, years ago, and we've probably all rewatched it a couple times. Oh yes. When the movie opens, we get this. Criswell predicts opening where he, mm-hmm. where he talks about he's got this tux, he's got this quaffed hair, he's clearly full of shit. Um, but he's but he's selling it. He really is yeah, selling he's great. it. He is, he's so sincere. He's got this confidence and this sincerity that you think, well, he really means this. Um, I, I wish he was doing the, the weather on the news. I would love that. <laughs> Wasn't that what he did? Wasn't he a He's, newscaster? Yeah, he started off and 
Yeah, he was on some news show, and they then they started saying, "Oh, can you fill time with predictions?" (laughs) Yeah, something (laughs) like like that. It's been a long time since I've read anything about Criswell, but that's—I seem to remember he was on the you know first news show out of L.A. or something. He was the son of an Indiana mortician. Yes, is what I understand, and um, he didn't think he was a psychic. But Vampira said in an interview many, many years later that she thought he was. She said, he didn't think he was, but I thought he was. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because if you look at his predictions, oh, they're so wrong. They're pretty out there. <clears throat> he had one about Denver being destroyed, didn't he? Really? Denver was going to be wiped off the face of the earth in the, in the 1980s. Oh, well, that wow. clearly didn't happen. <laughs> because the hell are we living? Right, in another dimension. Because Criswell says things like, um, the secret testimony of invisible souls, blah, blah, blah. I think that's pretty funny, you know, that he would say all this really lofty stuff. And like we said, he was really selling it. Like he was very sincere and believable. The secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. Oh, was it miserable? Yes. Not invisible. Oh, miserable. I I liked invisible souls better. (laughs) That is good. Yeah. Well, okay. So I wrote that down wrong. Um, Was any of that ad libbed? Do you think Criswell made that? He says pretty much the same introduction in, um, night of the ghouls and orgy of the dead. He does. He does the same. Yeah. It's a shtick. It's a shtick. It's a shtick. Uh, it so, was perfect, so why change it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, you don't go and get some brushes out and go, oh, you know, the Mona Lisa could use a little, uh, you know, a little slap and tickle. You know? <laughs> a little how do you do? <laughs> so um, this in, this uh, this whole Criswell thing goes into this menacing music and, and these great credits on, uh, like, these airbrush tombstone things. Yes. Now... You'd think that if Edward, if Ed Wood were so inept, he couldn't have pulled off finding someone who could make these great opening titles. You know, this bombastic music, which is, as you've pointed out, library music, um, stock music. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this reels you right in. It's like, who's this dude with the tux? And oh, okay, well, wow, this is great. We're we're going into something really heavy yes. here. Grave robbers from outer space. Yeah. So that is, outside of the uh, remake of um, Dawn of the Dead with that Johnny Cash song and all that kind of, you know, edited together news footage of terrible stuff happening. Other than that, I think this is my favorite intro to a movie. (laughs) It always gets me like, okay, let's sit down and watch this whole thing. Uh Yeah, there's, there's very few films where, you know, you just need to put on the first few seconds and I need to watch the whole thing, you know. Yeah. Can't tear myself away. Uh, I wouldn't say this is one of them. Yeah. No? No. Um, well, maybe it's because I know Vampire's Cleavage is waiting just minutes I, I, away. I do like it. I, I've seen it, like, oh, it must be 15 or so times now. And Vampire's Cleavage? I, I, oh, easily. <laughs> that too. But, uh, oh, if you're talking about Plan uh, 9, then you just have to multiply that times. I don't, I don't come to the movie to laugh at it. No. I mean, there's things I laugh at, but... Yeah, you know, I just really enjoy it. Well, this is so weird and bizarre, but coming from such a sincere place that mm. I don't laugh at it like, oh, look at this idiot, Ed yeah. Wood. It's like, yeah, he didn't. He, he got a movie made, you know? <laughs> yeah, he did. And the worst movie. 
so, which it's not. I've seen much yeah, there's, worse. There's definitely far more boring movies. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got... Um, That's my biggest critique against Plan 9, is that it's a little dull. There's a couple places yeah, that... Yeah, there's a couple of draggy bits. Yeah. That feel like the Tom and Judy conversation from Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. There's that scene where there's the two officers, and they, uh, oh, they yeah. switch on a recording, and uh, then the camera's just locked off, and you just... You're just with with them listening to a, a broadcast. Oh, it's just God. so uncinematic. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> Edward was like, cinematic, what's that? <laughs> <clears throat> so um, this movie, did you notice the first time you watched it, switches between day and night, like constantly? Yeah, constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. constantly. The police car changes from a Ford or Mercury to, <laughs> I don't know, a Plymouth. There's, there's several different cars there. It was a Transformer. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> hey, did Michael Bay direct this thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, Michael yeah. Bay should remake it. You have to put money Let's into put shooting that out there. day for night. And, uh, you know, it takes different lighting and filters. And... It does. <clears throat> but Not... I, th- I think Ed Wood just said, oh, well, we've got some footage of some buildings with, you know, this. And, and although yeah. it's nighttime during the scene, we'll just cut to these buildings and no one will notice. And he has that scene with the, uh, what we talked about last time, the drunk taking a look. Oh, yeah. UFOs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the bottle and tossing it away. I was <laughs> laughing out loud rewatching this last night because we had just talked about that. Mm-hmm. That's the dog groaning. That's not us. Uh, are you okay? <laughs> she does not like Plan 9, like most intelligent animals we have a, a german shepherd mix named leela and she's hanging out in the studio with us groaning and she is just not amused with us recording a podcast right now but the thing is with Ed, edward he he doesn't he, he puts together his films from bits uh you know he has this bit of footage he has these these scenes he filmed with lugosi a few years earlier and mm-hmm. you know he'll put things together like a puzzle and yeah. There's not much for planning to it. Or... Yeah, so... It was a type of collage, really. Yes. So when this movie opens, there's a graveside service after the incredible opening credits. There's right. a gra- graveside service. Um, I think Lugosi's doing a pretty good job acting. He's got the... You know, he's a mourner. He's got the quivering lip going mm-hmm. on. And uh, he, he's... He's... Uh, he's... He's... <laughs> Hi, Leela. Well, the um, the uh, grave diggers, uh, like at least one of them is one of the Baptists who helped fund the movie. Right. Yes. And because they were Baptists, they were um, uncomfortable about it being called grave grave Rob. robbers from outer space. <laughs> so he changed it to Plan Nine. Yeah. <laughs> but he already had that amazing gravestone painted, so uh, so, so he kept the title. Yeah. So why not? I'm going to splice this all together like an Ed Wood film. I was just going to say, what would Ed Wood do? If he had a radio show? He'd, he'd run out and record that dog and... <laughs> Look, we can use this. Yeah. <laughs> that just, you know, it's not so much the Great Dane making all the noise as the fact that it's some crackheads that it's barking at. Uh. Yeah, that's what's more amazing. So we've got the the grave diggers, we've got the mourners, all this stuff, Um the grave diggers look like old timey hobos or something to me, like some kind of train hoppers. Yeah, and he, I like his polka dot hat. Yeah, just they look like they should be really stylish. Riding a boxcar somewhere. 
The next thing that happens is this weird Lugosi leaving the house, and he's supposedly killed, but it's a freeze frame, and there's this screeching tire, screaming noise thing happen. Oh, my God. And that that house is Tor Johnson's house at the time. Oh, I thought it was was Bela's house. No. Okay, so that's Tor's house. Yeah, he's taking care of him. Oh, okay, because Tor could pick him up and move him if he needed help. Yeah, I mean, according to one story, uh, there are... When they were filming something else, I think the Black Sleep, uh, Bellolo would would have these really bad spells where he he'd try to commit suicide and he tried to jump out a window and Tor held him back. And according to another story, Tor was dangling him out the window and telling him to get his act together. Wow. <laughs> By all accounts, all of these actors were pretty nice people. So I, uh, yeah, Tor is apparently a really nice. Yeah, a gentle giant. Yeah, as it were. He's the super Swedish giant. Yes. When the narrator is talking about uh, about Vampira as being... Tor's wife. No, I mean, <laughs> Bella's wife. Bela Lugosi's character is called... Uh, it's called Ghoul Man, I think. Mm-hmm. Let me take a look on the cast he's called, list. He's called the old man in the film. And in the uh, script, he's uh, Edward keeps calling him Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Leela. She doesn't like that we're wearing headphones. I don't know. I think she hears that dog. Yeah. She doesn't hear much of anything. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You've got these people in the graveyard leaving this impossibly tiny little crypt that looks like it's made from masonite and some, some sort of faux finishing technique to make it look well, like that granite. That set is like about the length of a car, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, tiny. It's, it is tiny. It's this it's tiny like... little place in, in Hollywood. Yeah. And the narrator refers to Vampira as the old man's wife. Mm-hmm. So the mourners are leaving this tiny ass crypt, and there's a scream, and the grave diggers are dead. Mm. So we're to believe something happened. They're torn to pieces as if by a bobcat. Yeah, I have that note. The inspector, um, Inspector Clay, which is Tor Johnson's character, and the cops are investigating, and there's this great fog going on. Yeah, they're really nice looking shots with the uh, ghouls wandering around. They, they oh yeah those are wonderful do a good job on the yeah the fog and the lighting, the lighting. yeah it's it's gorgeous yeah, isn't it vampire looks really cool and she does Paul johnson later you can't imagine that she's anything but this character like you can't imagine her having a conversation she's just this <laughs> this muted ghoul yeah i i'd uh I, maybe when they do a, a sequel they'll do all the backstory and they'll show Bella Lugosi and Vampire at home. <laughs> Rob Zombie's Plan 9 from Outer Space. Maybe not. I, I guess, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, it looks like a bobcat tore into him. So, of course, we only see him face planted in, in the weeds, which is fine. Well, a bobcat is about the size of a house cat, so yeah. there wouldn't be that much damage. Yeah, it's not like there would be missing limbs or anything. The morgue wagon has a siren. Did anyone else find, <laughs> yeah. find that interesting? It's like they're already dead. What's the hurry? Uh, that's the least of my the God, Edward. That's the that's the least of the problems. Uh, the couple on the patio uh, apparently is the pilot and the wife. Yeah, he tells her about the flying saucer that he saw. Yeah, yeah. So earlier in the film, there was a these pilots in this magnificent fake cockpit. Oh man, which that... looked about as real as that crypt. Um, it looked less real. It had a shower curtain up. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they get and buzzed by well, just some bright light, really. Yeah. 
It's a close encounter with a model saucer. There are uh, uh, some sort of scale on the back wall. Like, uh, oh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. So the the saucer in that scene, actually, the string is very visible in that shot. You don't say. Yeah, in that shot. But uh, that's the scene. That's the scene that uh, they're talking about when the couple in the patio is saying that uh, he saw a saucer. And uh, then a burst of wind knocks them over. And they cut to the cemetery, which apparently is in their garden. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's right there. They keep referring to it being over there mm-hmm. and, and gesturing at it. But it just seems like from the distance that the cop has to go later in the movie, it's right outside their yard. Or it is their yard. Uh, this So this burst of wind knocks them down and... Uh, then when they cut to the cemetery, this is everyone's favorite scene. The same thing happens. The bright lights, the flying saucers are going over. Yeah. And what happens? Don't the tombstones move? They move. Is that the scene? They move as if made of cardboard. <laughs> yes. For the main reason that they're made of cardboard. You can hear the cops walking around on the stage floor. <laughs> That's right. There's floor noises <laughs> in the cemetery. Yes. Oh, my. <clears throat> the first time you see it, you you just can't believe your eyes. It's like, they could have easily fixed that. Oh, nah. No. Why would you? Film was pricey then, so you didn't, you didn't have a chance to reshoot things. I'm sure Ed Wood had, you know, no budget. Probably not much of a budget at all. The next scene is great because the, uh, the, the tiny fake crypt that the mourners just left a minute ago... Uh, now Lugosi's character, the ghoul man, is leaving the crypt, except for it's not Lugosi. Julian, tell us what happened here. Oh, oh, so, uh, yeah, so he, he shoots uh, footage of Lugosi, like silent footage, back in 1956. And it's for, uh, he's, he has an idea for his film called The Vampire's Tomb. And, uh, and then Lugosi dies August of that year, and so... Um, but he, he has this footage, and he you know he he incorporates it into it. this uh, screenplay for his friend Bela Lugosi. He was bound and determined that Lugosi was making a comeback. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so then to um, add scenes with this character of the old man, um, he has his chiropractor uh, Tom Mason come in and uh, hold a cloak over his face. Yeah. It's so convincing. It totally works. Mm-hmm. So, so Tom Tom is stalking around. What is he, about a foot taller than Lugosi? Mm-hmm. Dr. Tom. Dr. Tom. Count Dr. Tom. Yeah. Stalking around the graveyard. <clears throat> Which... In the movie, he's bald, isn't he? In the In Ed Wood. Oh, yeah. And they put a wig on him or something? Yeah. Oh, Ed Wood. So we've got uh, Dr. Tom... Approaching from one side, uh, we've got the the vampire. Uh, what did, what do we call her? Vampire girl was her character's name. Approaching Real from the stretch. others, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're they're going after Inspector Clay, which is Tor Johnson's character. Yes, he goes off looking by himself, and uh, they wonder if he'll be safe. Now you won't notice any of this the first time you watch the movie. Because of vampire, vampirous cleavage. Basically, but, but that's, it steals that's, the scene. That's when he says, um, "I'm a big boy now, Johnny." <laughs> Holy mackerel! Look at that cleavage. I think was 
line that oh, got cut. Man, it was, it was pretty amazing. Her waist. This movie. Apparently, she would fast for a couple few days. Three days, yeah. And, yeah, and, and then just cinch her waist up to where it was ridiculously tiny. That's why it looks so weird. I went to high school with a girl who had a waist like that. Like, what, Leela? Dear listeners, that's Leela. She's 13. She's an old shepherd mix. She's not sure why we're not paying undivided attention to her. <laughs> so Inspector Clay shoots, but the ghouls kill him anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is great because they needed a third ghoul, right? Mm-hmm. You know, odd numbers are more pleasing to the eye in yes. scenes like that. The rule of three. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they kill him, and uh, the question is, <laughs> the question that comes up later from the lieutenant, I'm sorry, the lieutenant is... You can say lieutenant because he's American. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll allow that. Okay, the lieutenant. Yes, lieutenant Harper. Lieutenant Harper. Okay. Is They ask him, is he dead? Yeah, he's as messed up as those two back there, referring to the grave robbers. Or the grave diggers. <laughs> referring to the grave diggers, sorry. Um, now... Inspector Clay's dead, murdered, and someone's responsible. That's the line. <laughs> he's dead, murdered, and somebody's responsible. That's how murder works. Typically. <laughs> Yeah, if you spontaneously no, die, that's not murder. Is this where he's showing his uh, his safety concerns with his his pistol? pistol. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> he's doing everything except pick his nose with this gun. <laughs> Holy he's, shit! He's a danger to himself and all around him. Yeah, it's like he tips his hat up with it and points at people with it and just kind of yeah scratching his chin, scratching the back of his neck with it. Yes. She really does not like Plan 9. No. Outer space. No. Dogs don't like this movie as much what as... What were the first one through eight plants? Well, there was a there was a town that got wiped out by sources. Oh, okay. That and was they, a... they say, uh, a small town, I'll admit, but nevertheless a town of people. <laughs> that same line written down. <laughs> uh, town of people, you <clears throat> don't say. They attacked a town... A small town, I'll admit. Nevertheless, a town of people. People who died. (laughs) Are you kidding me? So, they give Clay a really weird nighttime funeral. Have either of you been to a nighttime funeral? No. Only a couple. Grave. (laughs) How did that play out? Did anyone rise from the dead? Always. I mean, that's why you have a nighttime funeral. But wait, it's daytime. There's saucers over Hollywood Boulevard. There's footage and even a newspaper. Um, Then they show what we talked about last episode, a hilarious drunk. (laughs) I think we get two hilarious drunks because we see a pair of legs as this guy stumbles into frame and picks up the newspaper. Yes. And then uh, that's nighttime. Immediately it's daytime. We see the Pentagon. We see radar. We see tanks and rockets, and then um, then we do see the uh, hilarious drunk uh, rubs his eyes and throws the bottle away. Yeah, so it's alternating between night and day, and this army officer um, 
There's these great shots of him in front of just obviously a backdrop. Yes, Colonel Tom Edwards. And he just keeps looking at something with his binoculars. They just keep doing this over and over. Oh, yeah. Man, this yeah. movie. Yeah, he sucks. He's, you know. This whole movie's terrible. <laughs> if it weren't for him, this thing would be fucking Citizen Kane. But It you know. would. He ruined the whole movie. <laughs> Town of people. People who died. Come on. Not buying that. <clears throat> but you know what he says after that line? It was covered up by the higher echelon. Hmm. Damn that higher echelon always covering things up. <clears throat> but then um, the uh, the army regular, whatever this guy is, who's holding a radio, he uh, tells him, it looks like we beat them off again, sir. Yep. Yeah. I thought that Sounds was... like the military. Yeah, always beating off the aliens. Mm-hmm. Man, this movie's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's the exterior of the space station, and then they cut to the interior. And apparently these outfits they're wearing are ice skating skirts. You heard this? Well, they look like leftovers from historical the- theatrical production or an older movie or something. Because some, like their shirts look like uh, Cossack yeah. Silky Hollywood Cossacks. Kind of blousy, billowy, shiny and, things. And the, uh, the supreme leader, whatever his name is, he's, he's got this kind of medieval... It's got a battle axe on the yeah. damn thing. What? The... <laughs> this looks space-like. I love his desk. <laughs> With the road lamp on it. Uh-huh. It's a hand-carved desk. It doesn't mm-hmm. look, you know... Uh... <laughs> spacey in the least you know these these, these special effects i mean there's a, a movie in the 60s which reused the special effects from this because they were even cheap <laughs> wow <laughs> there's this uh, mexican uh, wrestling movie with the, the blue demon called uh Aranius infernalis where they uh, they use footage from plan nine of the the space station and wow. uh, and the cemetery the glowing trees no kidding. And um, and a bit of footage from uh, Teenagers from Outer Space. Oh, nice. What is it called? Uh, I think the English title is Hell Spiders. Yeah. Hellish Spiders. But it's got the blue demon in it? Blue demon and, Not... and a bunch of spiders from outer space who uh, they are can they take from on Mars? human form. <laughs> I think they're from the <laughs> planet Iranius or something. Oh, the spider planet. Yeah. Oh, there's a, a classic scene where he has a wrestling bout with one of them and, and uh, just his hand turns into this giant furry spider. Nice. Wow. It's awesome. We should have watched that. See. Yeah, you'll have to watch that. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of movies with this Mexican wrestler, Santo. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've not seen a single one of them. Oh, I've seen several okay. Santo movies. Are they totally worth it? Uh, they can be. I mean, the man made, like, 75 movies probably oh so it's he's you know a stopped clock is right at least twice a day he's got to have a couple good ones in there if you like um vampire women then uh, yes santo versus the vampire women classic okay yeah that's great i'm writing that down yeah all right so uh what do you think of the the salute that the uh the, the silky blouse um brigade does what is their salute? I don't remember. They do this crossed oh, yes. hands in front of them thing. Yes. Did you ever notice this in a movie with Pink Floyd in it? With the wall? <laughs> they, is that in the wall? <laughs> they do a salute just like that in the wall. Okay. 
pretty sure. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we should we should see if we can find a picture of Bob Geldof doing that because it's the it's the scene where they're um, there's this sort of fantasy sequence. They're sort of transformed the rock star into a Nazi leader. Mm-hmm. Man, I I don't remember the wall. Yeah, I've just seen that once. It's been so long. Yeah, yeah I haven't I haven't seen it in a while, but that's kind of etched in my mind. But uh, their logo that they use is the the crossed construction hammers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what their salute is supposed to represent. Okay, yeah. So I don't know if I remember any, the hammers. I don't know if anybody involved with the wall were aware of this being. Um, you know, they could be accused of stealing bits and pieces from Plan Nine from outer space. We can just assume that's the case. Oh yeah, yeah. we're going to establish that as a fact right here, right now. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Amadeus took all the Roger good parts. Roger Waters was a huge <laughs> Ed Wood fan. It wouldn't be the most surprising thing. He had the world's only complete collection of Ed Wood pinned pornography. <laughs> which Ed Wood wrote after he got out of movie making. Evidently he was terribly proud of these books and would give them out as Christmas presents. Hey, maybe we should sink... Uh, dark side of the moon to plan nine and see what happens. Oh my god. That's a great idea. That would just blow your mind, wouldn't it? Probably. I have a crazy idea. Why don't we just play plan nine on a loop and put in every single CD we own, one after the other, until we find out that something does or doesn't line up. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Wish You Were Here, Blade Runner? No. Yeah, apparently Wish You Were Here and Blade Runner line up. And there's a Nine Inch Nails one also. I forget. You what? can line up, with enough drugs, you can line up any audio and video together. <laughs> so, so what What do you, because like uh, Dark Side is only 45 minutes long. You start it over. You, you start you, it you over do. and it syncs up all over again. Yeah, yeah. because it's... There's, like, there's a law of diminishing returns on mm-hmm. that one. Like it's less startling and awesome the second time through. Yeah. Yeah. But the first time through... And I had always heard about this. I tried it, and it was actually pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, kind of impressive so, the first time you see it. So in it. case anyone doesn't know what we're talking about. <laughs> and why would you? It's the uh, the idea that you can play Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon uh, when the lion does his second roar at the start mm-hmm. of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And then it syncs up uncannily with the events on the screen. It is really uncanny. Yeah. <laughs> I've never tried it. I have, and it it was surprising. Like, I even printed out a list of stuff that was supposed to line up. And there's the part where Dorothy thumps on the Tin Man's chest. It lines up exactly with the heartbeats in the song. Yeah, there's some some freaky stuff in there. Yeah. But... You can read anything into anything, but when that much stuff lines up, it's just really fun. Now, the average scene in a movie and the average length of of a popular music song are about the same. So it's not... You know, everything has a rhythm. It's not terribly surprising that some things would coincide, but a lot of them coincide in that one. I believe William Burroughs came up with the idea of running different audio over video. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. And he would show that at parties. He didn't do Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz, <laughs> as far as I know, but uh, maybe. So what were we talking about? Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> oh, lining shit. it up with the White Album from the Beatles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there's, the there's... album 
is double album, so it's longer than the movie. You have to restart the movie. <laughs> Instead of restarting the album. <laughs> oh, shit. None of it lines up at all. In fact, it does the opposite of lining up. Oh, no. So, we get some exposition speech when the commander asks the blousey couple. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, do I uh, even need to give them names? Eros and Tana. Okay. <laughs> Eros is played by Dudley Manlove. <laughs> Dudley Manlove. And Tana is played by Joanna Lee. Do you think? And she has a fine pair of legs. Well, there you have that. Um, now, do you think Dudley was bad enough as a first name? Then the poor kid on the playground has man love as his last name. Do you think he got teased to death? Possibly. No. <clears throat> he lived to make Plan Nine. Eros and Tana. Okay. Yeah, he, he was a he was a radio actor in the uh, in the thirties, I think, because he's got that really nice plummy voice. Right. And then it it went out of style, and he was uh, he was he was the voice of Lux Soap, apparently. Oh. Hmm. Um, we all remember Lux, though, don't we? <laughs> he wasn't in that many movies. You don't um, say. <laughs> Plan 9, and uh, there's this uh, movie called Creation of the Humanoids. Creation of the Humanoids? 1962. That sounds familiar. And he was in another wood film. Uh, it was like a short film called Final Curtain, like um, just before Plan 9. Oh. So who plays the commander? Uh, let's see. Or is he the ruler? Uh, John Breckenridge? Let's see. Bunny Breckenridge. Bunny Breckenridge is also in this, isn't she? No, is that a he? Bunny is the commander. Bunny is a dude? Yes. Yeah, the ruler is John Breckenridge. Okay. Well, I don't think anyone else is ruling anything else in this movie, so it's got to be the the one they keep referring to as Your Excellency. Yes. Okay. And in Edward. Uh, Tim Burton film he's played by Bill Murray right yes. so he he is really kind of foppish and flouncy in real life apparently yeah because that's exactly what he plays when he's sitting in his desk he's real kind of you know sort of motioning around with his wrist and I think uh, Bill Murray may be the best part of that movie <laughs> I think so <laughs> Edward that was, a, that was a good film it was a fantastic yeah. film so they do a bit of exposition speech here. Um, the, this commander, what, what does he call them? This ruler, His Excellency, um, asks them what they're going to do since they failed, and uh, they're going to follow. You know, he asks what plan they're going to follow next. Plan nine. Plan nine. Ah, yes. Plan nine deals with the resurrection of the dead uh, through long distance electrodes, shocking the uh, pineal and pituitary glands of the recent dead. It's all scientifically accurate. It works for me. I have, I have suspended my disbelief officially at this point in the movie. So his excellency, as we mentioned, has this battle axe in his uniform and this lovely carved desk. <clears throat> I mean, all he's missing is a pet alligator or something to make this thing fit together less well. <laughs> so the pilot is off to work. And what's even less believable than all this crap that you just saw on the spaceship is the size of the luggage that the pilot's carrying. <laughs> Yeah, he has that tiny little sandwich bag or something, yeah. whatever it is. So he is going to just be a pilot everywhere he goes, but at least he'll have a sandwich. I mean, yeah. It honestly looks like um, like a hamster is going so, on a so trip. This is um, Gregory Walcott, right? I believe that is. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did a bunch of um, 
films. He was in like uh, four Clint Eastwood films. Hmm. Any um, idea what he did in those? Died. <laughs> <laughs> Played Dead Body Number Two. I think he was in a Spielberg film. He was in Sugarland Express. Uh huh. He yeah. played Victim Number Four. Battle <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Cry. He played a wooden plank in that one. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still hung up on his hamster suitcase. <laughs> and he's in Edward as well. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, he's he... one of the investors. One of the Baptist investors. So Tim Burton brought him around for a little cameo. That's really cool. I'm not even being facetious. I think that is really cool. Uh, The same way he had Vincent Price and Edward Scissorhands, I thought was really cool. Mm. Yeah, I don't think he's he's bad. I mean, he's like, um, he's kind of like your standard 50s, you know, square-jawed hero. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the guy you had Vincent to have. Price? <laughs> he was very dashing, wasn't he? He's not he? standard anything. He's a god. <laughs> no, he was one of a kind for sure. Yeah. Anyway, you've got the, the pilot with his little handbag. And and his wife sends him off. And... Yeah, he's, he's going on a trip with a hamster. So he's just carrying the hamster's bag. Um, the dead old man is, is full on Dracula. Bravo, Ed. Oh, what I was going to say here was... Vincent Price is to Tim Burton as Bela Lugosi is to Ed Wood. Mm. That's fair to say, isn't it? Okay. Maybe. I mean, think about it. It's like uh, Tim Burton's like, ooh, I'm going to use Vincent Price in my movie. And he doesn't have much time left. And Ed Wood had already done that same thing. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. uh, like Vincent Price needed any help with his career. No. he Comebacks or anything. He was doing all right. He was selling a lot of those shrunken head kits. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he have like a hangman game too? Um, like Milton Bradley put out a hangman yeah, they had board several game. Games. Like you can't play hangman with a scrap of paper. <laughs> hey, a scrap of paper doesn't have Vincent Price on the front of it. So no. There you go. Dead old man is full on Dracula. Let's face it. You know, and you said that he even wrote it that way. Yeah, he calls him Dracula in the screenplay. Oh, okay. So that's not. That's when he's sneaking around outside. It's not very thinly veiled, is it? So it's daytime. Pilot's wife uh, gets a phone call, and then it's nighttime, and then Dracula lets himself in the house. She flees into the graveyard, which apparently is ten feet from her back door. First place you'd run to. Um, Hey, wait, it's daytime. There's Lugosi. Wait, it's nighttime. There's Vampira. And then it's nighttime uh, for a moment longer while Tor Johnson is rising from the grave, which I think looks awesome. Yeah. This is one of my favorite parts in the movie. Now, yes, he's struggling to get out of the grave. He can't get out of it. (laughs) No, but he's dead. So I can say, well, you know, he's got the... 450 pounds. He's super heavy and he's dead. There's rigor mortis to consider. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Was there any backstory on this that we know for sure because it was kind of played out in the tim burton edward movie oh him struggling to get out yeah, yeah he couldn't get out of they it. showed a couple guys had to help him up uh, yeah yeah I, I don't know if that really happened but i know there's, there's like a, a scene where the the police come along to look at the grave and, the, and one of them has to get down into it to see who it is and uh it looks to me like 
they've just got a box. They haven't dug a hole mm-hmm. because they couldn't or some, something. Yeah, they're on a sound stage. And um, so it's like a box he has to pretend he's in a hole. <laughs> yes. they've, they've got like some of that indoor-outdoor carpet that looks like grass and right. sprinkle some dirt on right. it or something. Yeah. It's not the only movie that does that. <laughs> you don't say? Yeah. Yeah, I think most of the stuff on Gilligan's Island was kind of done the same way. You know? Yeah. I always liked their quicksand on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> it was good stuff. So it's day, it's night, it's day, it's night. Uh, Tor, Tor rises from the grave. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> now it's not just day and night, but it's day for night shooting. And you can clearly tell Mrs. Trent is rescued by this cowboy guy with a gigantic butt. Um, he's driving. Oh yeah, you he's got this like this humpy really, dumpy physique. Really unflattering shot of him. There. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, <laughs> poor guy. He picks her up. Yeah, he does a good job lifting her. Um, the cops arrive, and uh, at some point here, Tor and Vampira head to the spaceship, which has a ladder outside of it. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder if it's a water tower or something. I don't know. I have no idea back of a building but when they knock on it it makes a great noise it's this nice pinging noise Hmm. the army officers listen to a tape and these aliens are super arrogant do you notice that they they're easily uh like especially um eros you can really annoy him pretty quickly yeah they're stupid minds (laughs) they're stupid (laughs) stupid minds that is a favorite piece of audio from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. That's when he go, he goes into his solar night speech. Yes, and nobody pronounces it the same <laughs> twice. <laughs> solar night, solar night. <laughs> it's solar night. I think is how they have solar it. Solar night. <laughs> They're just like, oh shit, no one's day for this. night. <laughs> day for night, night for day. Who cares? Everything's out the window. So the, the flouncy commander of the aliens, uh, I have a note here to myself that, is this guy the precursor to Dr. Smith on Lost in Space? Maybe. Yeah. I've never seen that. You've never You've seen never Lost in Space? Yeah, it wasn't. Um, got oh, the, when I was lucked out. It uh, is crap. It's craptacular, though. It's got the B9 robot in it. it right. He's yeah, a nice robot. I've seen pictures B9. of it, yeah. B9. Ever notice that? Yeah. <laughs> you ever notice the obvious one? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Just Robot. Uh, it's fantastic to watch some Lost in Space and then watch the original Star Trek because they were made at the same time. Okay. And they I've could not the be Treks. more different. Okay. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, they had Owen <clears throat> Allen uh, series on British TV, but Lost in Space, I think by the time it came on, I was like a teenager. I wasn't that interested yeah. in that. So they had like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, which I'd watch if there wasn't anything else on. Yeah, that's pretty much what you would do with Lost in Space. Uh, so here's a question for time tunnel about England. At what age do you stop wearing the Angus Young suits? <laughs> Twenty-four. <laughs> well, well, Angus or Young. Once you kill your seventy. <laughs> yeah, I never had to dress up in that costume. Damn, no. you lucked out, huh? I remember when I was in the. This is fascinating to everybody. When I was in the Scouts, uh, we we didn't have to wear shorts except for one time we went uh, went to this winter camp and it was really really freezing. And the guy who ran the camp, 
either he was a bit pervy or what. But he insisted <laughs> that we all wore shorts to identify us. So we, we went, we didn't look like we were kids who just wandered into this camp in the middle of the country. So we were just like huddled in this, in this little hut freezing and, and kids kids were like calling their parents and begging to go home that sounds fantastic oh, oh it's no. hellish man did you get a pervy read off of him otherwise never met the guy oh never met him no i never emerged from the sleeping bag for the whole weekend <laughs> winter camp wear your shorts yeah wow it was, it was evil sounds like it that's fantastic so that that sidetrack made sense because we were talking about Dr. Smith from Lost in Space. Yes. Who was always getting paired off with the young boy. I saw the Simpsons takeoff where um, the robot's going Danger Will Robinson. When oh, that was Family Guy. Danger, danger, my hooks yeah. are flailing wildly. <laughs> was was that Simpsons or was uh-huh. that, that wasn't Family Guy? No, I'm was, sure Family there Guy. There was a Simpsons too, where they, Simpsons. they go to a convention or something and there's oh. the robot and there's Dr. Smith. And... Okay. Yeah, in... They they also sent that one up on uh, Family Guy where they said and we're gonna s- <laughs> and we're gonna send Will off with the boy hungry pedophile. <laughs> it was kind of disturbing. Will was the only smart one on that whole ship. You would think so, wouldn't you, Will? Yeah. No, I mean really. If you watch the show, <laughs> everybody's incompetent, and Doctor Smith is at times downright evil. He is. Mm-hmm. Well, he's adverse to everybody. He stowed away, I believe, was yeah. the storyline. So he was not part of their crew to begin with. No, enough about let's, Plan let's 9. Let's wrap this up with Lost in Space <laughs> with two words. Vegetable people. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Okay. So the colonel is having a conversation with uh, the police lieutenant and this uh, pilot and wife who saw saucers. Uh, meanwhile, Kelton, which is the name of the um, the uniformed officer, Kelton the cop. Kelton the cop. He's in other Ed Wood films. Yeah, he has his own websites and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he still occasionally shows up at uh, conventions, doesn't he? Mm. He's attacked. Um, well, he's chased by the old man, uh, the Lugosi character, and uh, seconds later arrive at the patio, which gives you an idea that they were close by. Um, the lieutenant shoots several times, which does not stop the vampire old man character. And then you hear the zapping sound, and there's this light on the horizon, and the vampire man falls dead. Now, when they flip the cape open, ta-da! Skeleton. There's <laughs> a skeleton. Uh, this isn't really very well explained. I no. Think. So, d- did the... Did the flouncy guy back on the space station just decide to deactivate the, the old solarmanite? <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a small. They they set the solarmanite to stun. I don't know. Um, and then here the colonel starts using his gun as a pointer, as they head up to Inspector Clay's grave. So apparently, none of these people have ever been around a gun whatsoever. No. <laughs> Nobody knows what end bullets come out of and the fact that you shouldn't use it as a head scratcher or a chin rest or a pointer. <laughs> it's horrible. So the colonel's doing the uh, gun as a pointer. They get to Inspector Cray's... <laughs> they get to Inspector Clay's grave and then the police lieutenant is using his gun as a pointer when they get to the grave. 
I'm surprised no one got shot. Yeah. Who knows? They might have been using real guns. Um, Clay knocks down Kelton and goes after Mrs. Trent in the cop car. That's kind of a cool scene. Mm-hmm. She's going to genuinely be terrified until she sees that he doesn't fit through the door. I was going to say, he can't fit in the car, so... <clears throat> You're pretty safe. Yeah. The lieutenant, the colonel, and the pilot board the ship. Uh-huh. Um... The pilot says something about shooting first and asking questions later, which that's been mentioned on our podcast before. Yes. That's the American way. Yes. For all of you in the Netherlands and Brazil, our pilots shoot first and ask questions later. Our pilots. (laughs) We give them guns and this is where they go with it. And the standoff goes as you would expect. The uh, blousey, stupidly. very stupidly and very poorly written. Now, this is the part where they, um, where we get the speech about all of you Earth people are idiots. Uh, he goes on to explain solarmanite, solarmanite, or solarmanite, or uh, solar. Well, yeah, and then and the uh, Jeff says solarmanite will make our country stronger, or something like that. Yeah. And then Eros says, you see, you see, your stupid mind, stupid, stupid. And then to prove that they're not stupid, they one punches him. Yeah. Yeah. But the pilot punches him out. And yeah, the pilot knows how to shut him up. <laughs> it's like, you arrogant foreigner, I'm going to punch you right in the face. So I think Eros's point is made. Uh-huh. It could be. But he also has a fat lip. So, I guess, America. <laughs> America. Uh, okay, so let's see. They, um, there's more exposition and speechifying, but you'd expect that yeah, he, here. He doesn't. <clears throat> he doesn't treat Tanner very well, does he? No, no. Um, for being such an advanced race, they sure haven't gotten very far with women's rights. In my land, women are for advancing the race, not for fighting man's battle. There which, you have it. Uh, which made me wonder why he brought her along. Right. So she's armed and doing everything he does. But she's yeah. not supposed to be fighting battles. Okay. So that kind of took care of that, didn't it? Um, so the uh, the backup arrives, and uh, Kelton explains the events that have occurred, and uh, Tor takes the girl. The cops debate whether or not to use guns, and I'm thinking, well, you've been using them for everything else. Might as well use them as guns. Um, let's see. I don't have any idea what this note even means. <laughs> oh, they were debating. <laughs> they were, your your oh. script is so superior to the screenplay. <laughs> this looks like something Ed Wood would write. Uh, my note to myself is a stick is better somehow. And then uh, I remembered this is the part where they were debating whether or not to use guns. But one of them picks up a stick and hits Tor with it. I'm sorry, Inspector Clay breaks the stick mm. yeah so uh it stops him so it worked i guess it was not a bad idea and then the struggle aboard the ship this is kind of magnificent isn't it mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> yeah the two cops overpower eros and then the whole thing bursts into flames yeah they're smashing equipment the exterior shots of the flaming ship look like someone took a tiny model and just Doused it with lighter fluid and lit it on fire. Huh, why does it look like that? <laughs> I don't know. It must be the... You're saying that Wood didn't <clears throat> have actual spaceships? It's it's what we call the shortcomings of CGI. Oh, 
The Earth people leave the ship just in time, which finally explodes. And Criswell gives us this nice summary and warning outro, which I believe ends with, God help us in the future. <laughs> Perhaps on your way home, someone will pass you in the dark, and you'll never know it, for they will be from outer space. That's, or the grave. That's chilling. It's something, all right. So let's talk about, there's, there's rumors that this will get remade. This movie? Yeah. It's, yeah, there's been a, a Plan 10 from outer space. Oh, a sequel. Uh, I don't, don't think it was a sequel. I've got a reference to it somewhere here. Who do you think would be a good person to direct the remake of Plan 9 from Outer Space, Will? Other than Michael Bay. Other than Michael Bay or Rob Zombie. Let's dig a little deeper. Because I think those two are the obvious choices. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see David Lynch's Plan 10 from Outer Space. That would be amazing. His daughter is doing some some good uh, direction. She's directed some episodes of The Walking Dead, and they were pretty fun. Okay, I found uh, the reference. Uh, Karen Black was in a film called Plan 10 from Outer Space. No kidding. 1994, um, which is about Mormonism. Huh. Huh. Yeah. From Outer Space. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, they are, aren't they? Just like... Uh, Battlefield Earth. I was going to say Starship Troopers. <laughs> or that. Actually has space Mormons. <laughs> they then, do? Uh, mm-hmm. They're, you can either be a Nazi, um, a space bug, or a space Mormon. Oh, I guess man. it's a space Nazi. That's a tough choice. In, in Starship Troopers. And uh, the year before Plan 10, there was a film called Plan 69 from Outer Space, which is a different kind of movie. A uh, porn oh. parody, maybe? That's a great one. You know who would who did a good job of making people aware of Plan 9 from Outer Space was the Misfits as a band. They had their own label called Plan 9 Records. Okay. Did not know that. Yeah, and uh they had uh they may that may still be their label, I don't know. Um but they had songs about Vampira, they had songs about Plan 9. It was they they just loved the old horror movies and the old B movies, so they uh it was hard to understand some of the words, but um, there's even some great pictures of them, you know, kind of uh, palling around with Vampira a bit, a few photo ops. So that, that's pretty cool. They were, they were the uh, early adopters and big believers of this, this sort of movie, which uh, is a favorite. So what do you think, Jolien? Who would be a good director for this remake? For a remake? Yeah. Well, you, you can't touch it. Leave it alone. <laughs> As we've said before, lightning in a bottle. <laughs> if, you, if you made it slightly better, it wouldn't be as good. Right. Mm-hmm. If you deliberately made it as bad. Yeah, that, that would just be. No, you can't do that. It would be too wink wink. Yeah, that would be horrible. I, I couldn't watch that. What if you made it super awesome? With a big budget. Yeah. Yeah, when, when Tim Burton did Mars Attacks, which is kind of his invasion spectacle movie. Did yeah. You, did you like that one? I liked it okay. It was pretty cartoonish. Mm. It was kind of silly, which I know was intentional. Yeah. I, I, I to be fair, would give it a rewatch. Um, I liked it okay at the time. I know I saw it on cable. How about you, Will? Did you see that one? Yeah. I went and saw that in the theater. 
Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I've seen it several times since. You were living in New Mexico at the time? Yes. So you weren't far from where actual aliens crashed actual ships. Yeah. El Paso. Have you... No, you mean Roswell? <laughs> yes, Roswell. Have you been there? Uh, no, I've actually never been to Roswell. I'd like to get in. How about the Marfa lights in Texas? I've never seen the Marfa lights. Me neither. Um, I've been to the Devil's Tower in... Oh, I'd love to go to that. Yeah, that is really impressive. It would be kind of fun, wouldn't it, to get like a an airbrush and just apply like the left half of your face and just like sunburn makeup. <laughs> and just kind of walk around with the rest of the crowd. Would you recommend this movie to somebody? No. <laughs> no. To your worst enemy. Don't finish your sentence. I would not recommend this movie to anyone. <laughs> no? Under any circumstance. <laughs> Somebody came to me and said, I got a free copy of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Well, I'm going to go uh, watch it. I would tell them not to. It makes a great coaster. In the documentary, they've got a, a screenwriter who he teaches a, a writing class in, in Los Angeles. And he shows this film and, and he has this massive list. It's like 80-something errors that he lists. And, and oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, I could see using it for that. A, 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 a what not to do. A what not yeah. to do. Do you recommend this movie to people ever, Jolien? No. You don't? Well, how would I recommend it? For a... Well, the same way that I go around recommending Evil Dead 2, maybe, I don't know. Like, somebody says, oh, you know, like I, I recommended it to um, our vet. Uh, mm-hmm. She said that she likes to have her niece over and and do Halloween stuff. And I said, ah, you could yeah, show her Plan 9 from fun. Outer Space. I think it's something you have to discover for yourself did you have to find a new vat (laughs) (laughs) i haven't been back since this oh man i may be banned from the vet i don't know yeah because uh yeah i don't want to influence how people approach it because there's people who laugh laugh at it like we've been doing to some extent but right i i don't look down on it either because you know i've never made a movie you got a movie made it's incredibly you difficult got, to do, apparently. Yeah, you got Tor Johnson and Vampire and Bela Lugosi in his movie. Yeah. And Lyle Talbot. And Lyle Dudley Talbot. Manlove. Dudley Manlove. Lyle Talbot, who was in um, the Batman and Robin serial that oh, yes. we mentioned. So did he play 40-year-old Robin? He was Commissioner Gordon, I think. Oh, yeah. I found a picture of 40-year-old Robin. Did you find a picture? I, you should watch that serial. I, I like how Batman's ears are just kind of droopy. They don't really. Yeah. They don't really. Stop. They look more like devil's horn. That series would be so much better because, like, they've got this uh, the villain in it as this uh, the wizard. The wizard it? is excellent, and he's got this like black hood on. But I really wish they'd gone for one of the Batman villains because imagine how creepy that would look back in the forties if yeah. they'd done the Joker. Oh yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I wonder why they didn't use a uh, Batman yeah. villain. It didn't test well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some, just make children cry. Or some other Hollywood. And the crap. first one, well, ooh man, it'll make you cringe. Oh god, it is. <laughs> Professor Tanaka. Yeah. <laughs> so, for people to find these movies organically, someone has to tell them, or they have to run across it in a book or a magazine, right? Yeah. I think everybody's heard of this film by now. No. Like if you see pictures of it, like uh, some of the shots are like really good. Like you see yeah. Vampire with Tor Johnson, 
right. you think, well, where's that from? Or if if you're a fan of Bela Lugosi, mm-hmm. or um, or if you've you know seen the Drew Friedman drawings, and right. Well, like you said, the Golden Turkey or whatever. Yeah, and that's not seen so much anymore, is it? Uh, I don't think so. I remember I had that book with the 50 worst films. That and uh, the go- the Golden Retriever Movie Hound book. No, mm-hmm. that's something else. That, well, yeah, but I mean, those those are the kind of things that, that you would have, that you would find... Oh, yeah. movies in and that would be cross-referenced you could be, you could be like oh well, that that obscure movie had this director or this actor and then you could find other stuff they had done people don't do that anymore they don't buy books so much and uh if it's not on imdb and if imdb is not accurate or wikipedia and everyone knows how well, accurate that can uh, be book sales are going up and ebooks going down and yes really? amazon just opened up an actual brick and mortar shop in seattle i think yeah. Yeah. How weird. But you know, part of people finding things organically, I think, are other people telling them. Oh, certainly. So I do occasionally tell someone like, you know, the vet or you know, strangers. <laughs> Just tell mm. people, Hey, you should see Plan Nine. Yeah. Or you got, should see Evil Dead too. One of your classic vampire women. Oh, yeah. you, you've got the photo with her signature on it. Yes. Uh right here next to us as we record, I have a um a duplicate of the lobby card of Plan 9 from Outer Space where you've got Vampyra with her hands folded and she's sort of next to some brush. And it's signed Vampyra Myla Nermi. So both her stage name and her um, and her real name. And this was something I bought on eBay probably about 12 or 13 years ago, um, which I could sell for a lot of money because she has since died. But, yeah, uh, 2008. Yeah, and this and this was um, authenticated with a photo of her signing it, which was great because you know I don't want to have a counterfeit. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm just a big fan of her as uh, just this iconic character. She first brought that sort of Charles Adams character to life. Yeah, so she dressed as the the woman from the his cartoons, right? Morticia. Yeah, and she was also inspired by the Dragon Lady from. Tearing the pirates. Ah, okay, I can see that. That's why the like the cigarette holder and the long nails and yeah. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was uh, <clears throat> something she had done once for like a, a either a costume party or a Halloween party. Yeah, they had the costume party in Hollywood, and uh, she was spotted there. Uh, um, and uh, uh, KABC TV in Los Angeles picked her up to host uh, horror movies. Um, from the low-budget studios uh, in 1954, I think. Right, and she um, was one of the first horror hosts. Yeah, she mm-hmm. was she the first? She may have been the first. I believe she was the first. And unfortunately, not a lot of footage has I survived. I any footage of her shows survived. There's very little. I've seen like a gif of her walking toward the camera and, you know, sort of mugging mm. the camera a little bit but yeah yeah one of those came from a different show that she was on oh that could as be like the case. a guest i think uh, okay um but that was that would be totally disposable for them because it was a local show and yeah it was and, just a host um i don't know by the 50s but i know early television they couldn't actually record things mm-hmm. uh kinetoscope it just went out live right that, that makes sense. So nobody was recording things. And then later, you know, when they did record things, they just recorded over them. The BBC did yeah. a lot of that. They needed the tape. Yeah, because uh-huh. those those old video cassette 
things were massive. Mm-hmm. So like they got to a point where they just had to get rid of them. So they threw out all these Doctor yeah. Who episodes. Uh, isn't that crazy? Yeah. There's a lot they, of missing television. But yeah. they didn't think, you know, anyone would ever want to see this stuff again. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of it was probably really bad, but it, it, all the same, it was part of history. So it's, yeah. a, it's a shame some of it's gone. So um, other than uh, the magnificent vampira and these great shots of um, real Bela Lugosi and fake Bela Lugosi and Tor Johnson, um, the, the hilariousness that these these fake flying saucers look like teenagers are taking them for a joyride. It's just, they look so uh, mischievous. They don't even look menacing. They look mischievous and ridiculous. This All of this stuff put together just makes it a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Vampyra also sort of not just as this spooky character, but she's also got this sexiness to her in, in spite of any, any sort of uh, ghoulishness that's supposed to be going on here. Uh, the whole thing just kind of works. And for some people it doesn't, that's fine. But I think if people discover it, it's a cool thing. It's a, it's a good, it would never scare a kid over the age of about four. So yeah. it, it could be a good Halloween party thing for little kids. Right. Uh, it's a good thing for a bad movie night with your friends as an adult. Yes. So, you know, I think it serves a lot of purposes now, especially now that we have uh, such easy access to all kinds of video and all kinds of media. But to bring it back around to who should direct this, uh, if they if they were ever to remake it, I don't know. I I I do like your idea of David Lynch, but my mind keeps going back to Rob Zombie. <laughs> I Rob really Zombie. I just wanted him to get his hands on this. Mm. <laughs> I'm kind of only half kidding on that one. You gotta have because the charm of Ed Wood is he's so sincere. You just yes. couldn't do that straight anymore. No. Well, there was an innocence of the times, of course. That kind of went along with that. But I agree. He he was naive to the fact that he was not great at everything. Or good at anything. <laughs> he was delusional. He, but he was absolutely playing it straight as far as he knew. He was being very honest and sincere about what he was delivering. It just happened to be really bad dialogue. and It's magnificent dialogue. It it's was. So, it's yeah. quotable. It's not... Like dull, boring, right? Uh, banalities. Is there's something wonderful about it? Look at the... There should be a word for this kind of thing, and I don't think we have it in English. <laughs> if anyone in the, in the Netherlands or Brazil has a word for this, it's, let us know. Yeah, please hit our Facebook page. Let us know because this is just um, such a unique beast. Can you think of any movie that does that? Um, for example, Robot Monster doesn't do that. It's just bad. It's a yeah. He's the uh, the alien comes out with a couple of good speeches in there where he's going on about you know, one is right because one is wrong and right. I think I like Robot Monster more than Plan Nine. <laughs> Robot Monster makes Plan Nine look like Plan Ten. <laughs> uh, Plan Nine's got a, a couple of dull scenes in it, but Robot Monster. There's all those scenes of people just walking around Bronson Canyon. It doing, just goes on and nothing. on. True. And you know what? I I actually wrote a bunch of notes on that one, thinking we might do that one at some point in time. 
And one of the notes I wrote, all of this is like crap a kid would say or a kid would make up. And at the end of it, and if you don't want this spoiled, skip forward about 15 seconds. At the end <laughs> no, of it, it's a, it's a kid's fever dream or, un, you know, yeah, con- they do concussion it. dream. Yeah, Invaders from Mars does that really well. Mm-hmm. Where it's all is the kid's viewpoint. So yeah. everything's kind of distorted. And we, the audience, are unaware of it till the end of the movie, right? I think, I think so. so. Yeah. I know that's the yeah, case with Robot there's, Monster. There's a, there's a like, double wake up. Yeah, he end. wakes up at the end, and then doesn't he see the? Yeah, and he sees the saucer crash saucer. again. Yeah, but there's always great stuff where he goes to the police station, and the and the reception desk is like really high, like a kid mm-hmm. would perceive it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good one. The remake's not bad either. Yeah, Toby Hooper. Oh, did he do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember really liking that one when I was a kid. Watched that one a lot. That fake dream ending mm. you know yeah freaked us all out good dreamy atmosphere yeah but there there is definitely some sort of a um a word missing from our language that could describe this sort of thing that just is so unique and <laughs> it, so charming it's woodsy and awfulsome awfulsome dear listeners awfulsome awfulsome it's awesome and it's awful at the same time it's awful so anyone listening who has not watched this or has not at least looked at still photos of this should get on it do it i imagine it's online (laughs) oh it's got to be on youtube it isn't it is in public domain yeah yeah the the image uh, entertainment dvd looks pretty good i think we own Uh, the same one i think it's come out on blu-ray since then since i got it so you've, you've I'm not I'm not bothered to upgrade it. Yeah. Yeah. We we both own the same edition. Okay. Just a different it colorized? No. It's a different uh, it's, okay. it's deceiving case. But definitely the image cuz there is a colorized version out there. Mm. It's the is this a Wade Williams collection? Yeah, that's what mine is. Yeah. yeah. He bought the rights to a bunch of um, 50s films. And uh, this is not rated because it it predates the rating system by a couple decades, or well, a little more than a decade. Um, but the movie is in black and white. It's a tight seventy eight minutes if you don't count that couple of briefly dull scenes. Seventy eight minutes, you'll never get back. <laughs> well, seventy eight minutes, I keep giving up over and over. Yeah. At this point, having watched it over a dozen times. It- I've spent a good deal more than 78 minutes with it. Oh, yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. I mean, like when that that uh, all-day thing, so they start off with Plan 9 and everyone was familiar with it, and they show Glenn or Glenda, which hardly anyone had seen, mm-hmm. and people were just stunned. Yeah. And, uh, and then they started showing the films that Edward had written but not directed, and they brought in the guy who had directed him, um, Stephen Apostoloff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they they showed uh, Orgy of the Dead, which is just incredible. It's got yeah, Criswell in it. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to lend that one to you. All right, that's just amazing. <laughs> so, Will, have you given some thought to um, since you're going to be choosing the movie for next time? Plan Nine from no, uh... <laughs> we're doing Plan Nine over again. Yes, another gonna... seventy-eight minutes. <laughs> we're going to get it right this time. Um, it will meet your expectations, Will. Oh, what 
should I watch? What should we watch? Hmm. Um, I have Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Let's do that one. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, why not? It's I've not never a, seen it. Because we talked about it. Yeah, why and not? I offered a loan to you. You watched it. I watched it recently. Okay. Uh, I was at that horror con on Halloween weekend when I got to do all those great interviews and bumpers and whatnot. And uh, a friend of uh, a friend of ours who's an author had told me about this movie, and I caught it on Netflix and was really tired and didn't get very far into it and fell asleep. And then by the time I got around to trying to watch it again, it had disappeared from the Netflix because licensing expires at some point. Well, I was at this convention and saw it for $2 at one of the DVD slash VHS vendors that was there with a booth. So I picked up that one and then I picked up one of those four cult movies packaged on one DVD, which included Phantasm 2. Oh, fantastic. If you would rather do Phantasm 2... I've yeah. I've got I've got that available to me on streaming and I own now that All right. So do you have a copy of Phantasm got, 2? I've got the first 3, yeah. All right. Well then we're watching Phantasm 2. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> Phantasmir. <laughs> it's it's more phantasmy than the first one. Okay. Then we can probably do You know we should have Anthony uh who recommended Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Okay. We, should, we should have him on with us. We'll need a fourth mic. So uh, at some point we would have to do The Exorcist because yeah. we have Pazuzu. Yes, we, ha- we have a Pazuzu great... Pazuzu will be live in the studio. Yes. Uh, and then at some point, Shaun of the Dead, because we have the fellow who drew the comics. We should have Zach on here with us for sure. It's been about a year since I threw out the idea we should start a podcast. Okay. Because it, it, was, it was at your birthday. Okay, yeah. So we met, met him there. Yeah, yeah and I, about I a week later, within... I mentioned this idea that, oh, we right. should do this and have Zach on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wanted to do a podcast with me about comics, but I know I was reluctant to do it. It could it could get pretty deep pretty quick, couldn't it? Yeah, and he knows so much more than I do, so it would be a bit one-sided. Oh, yeah. See, this is that's what's fair about this, is that we, we all have some strength and some, well... I don't know what your weaknesses are, but <laughs> I feel like we I, all... I've never seen Lost in Space. There you There's go. There's your weakness. Yeah. You should have to watch Lost in Space. Yeah, it's hours, hours and hours of my life that I could have spent watching. If you were the Death Star, that would be that little portal at which they could shoot a little <laughs> burst of power to kill you. Man, someone ought to put aside the, the architect of the Death Stars and say, look, you've got this whole... In your plans here, that you could fly a spaceship down, and it leads right to the target where you could blow up the whole thing. With the exhaust port. And he does it like three times. You think they'd have ironed out that little floor? All they yeah. had to do was just put a like a parking post in front of it. Yeah, you know, like one of those striped <laughs> yellow posts. That's all they needed to do. I mean, I could uh, figure that shit out. Come on, yeah. stupid Death Star architects. Okay, so we're going to do Phantasm 2. Phantasm 2. Search for Curly's Skull. <laughs> oh, God. Anything else we want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I think everyone's asleep by this time. So. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to edit this so it sounds super like quick and smart and sharp. Good. 
Yeah. Cut all this crap. You're going to bring in actors cut to out replace the fat. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> We're just going to get cut, it, tr- cut out the what? Trim the fat. <laughs> Trim the fat. It'll be a seven minute long podcast. Yes. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> let's say some outro stuff. Let's see. What do we say here? Um, Thank the moon rays. Oh, yeah. Thanks again to the moon rays for giving us intro creature features at the top of the show. Again, find their music at themoon-rays.com. Find us on Facebook. We're not hard to find. Just look for Chewing the Scenery. I think it's listed as a radio station because they don't have podcast as a designation on Facebook. But you can find us there. Ask Jolian questions about England. (laughs) Um, I've lived in Hawaii, Seattle. I'm from Chicago. We all live in Denver. Will's from New Mexico, and uh, he's traveled a bit. So uh, Can we ask you questions about England? You can ask me questions mm. about England. I will I will give you very convincing answers about England. Because people snuck in questions about America to me. Yeah. Oh. That was, yeah, it, was a tr- it was a Trojan horse, wasn't yeah. it? It was, a, it was <laughs> an America question dressed up like an English. What, what do I know about America? Even less than I do about England. <laughs> How long have you been here now? Like 12, well, 14 years? I, I learned a lot about American history when I was going through immigration and... Uh, so of course I've I've dutifully forgotten it because I don't want to stand out. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, and then just use use a pistol as a thing to point at stuff and <laughs> scratch your nose. Yeah, Wasn't thought... the whole citizenship test a shooting contest? <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be right. Well, the 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 final test is that you have to hold a double barrel twelve gauge shotgun with one hand and just fire it. You don't wow. have to hit anything. You just have to be able to fire it. Not... I think you have to go through one of those police courses where the cardboard figures jump out at you. <laughs> we are not prone to being sidetracked at yes. all. Okay, where, where were we? Shit. Thank you, Moonrays. Uh, uh, Thanks that, to our uh, that doesn't sound 160-some <laughs> listeners. Wow. The list is way too long, but... but there are a lot of people in a lot of places that apparently have listened to us. That's crazy. We already talked about that. Okay. Thank you to the Moon Rays for giving us intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music at themoon-rays.com or find them on Amazon and buy their music like we did. Um, find us on Facebook. We will eventually have some other social media, some Instagram, some probably not Twitter. I don't know. Twitter? Why not? Sure, why not? Yeah, why not, Twitter? How does that work? I don't know. I have it on my phone. It doesn't make any sense. It looks like a bunch of gibberish to me. It's a bunch of visual noise. But, you know. It's not as good as Facebook then. No, no. Facebook is really, really cool. It's so super. I spent all my time on it. Oh, man. (laughs) How much are they paying you? (laughs) Not enough. Um, So uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we get an actual website up soon. Maybe by the time this airs. Websites, are those still a thing? <laughs> no, they're not, but you got to have one anyway. It's like email. Who's used email recently? <laughs> Anyone? Nobody I know. <laughs> Says the guy who doesn't own a smartphone. I don't know. Yeah. So we'll get all that stuff up and running soon, and then we'll have more portals of contact for your questions about England or explanations about the Death Star, suggestions for movies we could watch and talk about. Go watch Plan 9. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.